Man, there's no greater place to have a, a Big 12 tournament than in Kansas City, man. What a what a great basketball city with all the restaurants and the location and, and everything, man. I, I, I'm so fired up about that. Aggieville, Aggieville, I'll be out in Aggieville. Aggieville, Aggieville, I'll be out in Aggieville. Aggieville, Aggieville, I'll be out in Aggieville. Aggieville, Aggieville, I'll be out in What's up, everybody? You're listening to yet another edition of Cocaine Willie. And tonight, we're going to recap the final regular season game for the Kansas State Wildcats men's hoops team, which was a loss, unfortunately, coming at the hands of the West Virginia Mountaineers. And then we're going to preview what's bound to be a raucous Big 12 tournament in Kansas City this week. We'll talk specifically about the matchup against the TCU Horned Frogs, uh, which is on Thursday. And we'll share our predictions for the rest of the tournament, as well as, as, well as where we think things will shake out for the conference when it comes to seeding in the big dance. What's up, Fireball Matt? What's up, Kamish? How's everybody doing tonight? Yo, surviving. Surviving. Happy Tuesday. Just and, just uh, surviving. <laughs> it's March. You know, it's the first time in a in a good while that we could actually be happy that it's March, right? It's been a minute. <laughs> I mean, it, oh god, yeah, like the last few years I mean, living living in Colorado, we plan a lot of ski weekends, and in the last couple of years, I, it's just been kind of an afterthought. And in realizing that next week we are hosting first and second round games in Denver, and we have a ski weekend planned for Steamboat, and we might have a, a possibility of both K State and Texas playing in in Denver. You know, that was that was piss poor planning on on my part and and my wife's part to. But, or to book a trip to Steamboat, uh, but hey, I, I'm th- I'm hoping that maybe we'll at least be able to see uh, the first round games on that Thursday if there are any good ones. Uh, but we'll we'll end up playing that by year. But but Chef, how are you doing tonight, brother? I'm very well, brother. How are you? Doing it's all right. A, yeah, it's been a ride. You know, it's been that was a little stinker, but we're gonna talk about it. And I, I'm I'm fresh slated because it's postseason basketball. We are going to talk about it. Uh, I, do, I don't think it's worth spending a ton of time on the Oklahoma game, so I pretty much just omitted it from the outline. But I think, first and foremost, the Oklahoma matchup last week, K-State pulled out that victory. It was senior night. We we really just totally controlled them in the second half of the game uh, and won very, very handily with a 85-69 to 63 in Manhattan to, to send out those six seniors, which we've already talked kind of at, at length about for those six guys that are, that are outgoing seniors for this team. But that West Virginia game, a little bit of a stinker. Again, I don't think it's worth us spending a ton of time on this one either, but let's get into it. Uh, the storyline coming out of the game was, was K-State started out the game scoring the first eight points for either team. Uh, got out to a lead as big as 10 at one point only to see that dwindle uh, to a tie just under five minutes left in the first half, after which West Virginia then took the lead. Uh, Marquise Noel unfortunately got out to another slow start, uh, which has been a trend we've seen in a handful of games uh, in the latter half of the season here. Uh, He had zero points on the board and five turnovers in the first half. And then Keontae, he got out to a super hot start uh, on the, on the contrary uh, to, to Marquise. He, he racked up 16 points and five rebounds in the first half alone. Uh, the cats went into the locker room trailing 39 to 37, which again has been a common theme in, in recent games, similar to what we've talked about in recent weeks. 
uh, is that this team, when they go into the locker room with a, with a deficit has come out firing on all cylinders in the second half. And this was quite frankly, the opposite of that. Uh, the difference was that, that we kind of got cramped in the second half and ultimately fell 89 to 81 to the Mountaineers. And I think the score isn't necessarily indicative because the score almost makes it seem like it was closer than it was in the second half. Uh, but, but unfortunately it was just not as close as the score even indicates for, for that second half. Keontae and Marquise led the day on the K-State side with 24 points each, which traditionally, if, if those two guys are putting up 48 points just between the two of them, that, that typically bodes well for this team. But unfortunately that just wasn't the case. And Marquise, he did combine that with eight assists and four rebounds, and Keontae had two assists and four rebounds on his end. I, I want to give credit where it's due on the West Virginia side of things. Eric Stevenson was lights out for West Virginia. He went five for 14 from three, and he snagged 27 points. And he also snagged uh, probably first place for me in most hated players in the Big 12 after Caleb Grill has been dismissed for the Iowa State Cyclones. But West Virginia had three guys over 20 points in scoring with Kadrian Johnson and Matthews with 23 and 20 points, respectively. Um, again, another day where turnovers were a huge problem for K-State. We had 20 turnovers to what, 16. Again, I, I think I mentioned Marquise Noel had five of those in the first half alone. So not a great day from the turnover margin perspective. And we sent them to the line twice as much as K-State went to the line. They shot 22 for 25 from the stripe, and K-State only shot 9 of 12 from the stripe. So uh, the last thing I'll mention is a cue for West Virginia or for K-State against West Virginia in this game was, was West Virginia shot 50% from the field. So all things considered, that's just hard, if not impossible to stop and overcome, even on a day when your top two guys have 48 total points. And, and when you're sending them to the line as much as you are, that's just a recipe for, for, a disaster, frankly. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you guys to talk a little bit more about, about this game and what your thoughts were coming out of it. I think for me, the, the main three things were turnovers, fouling, and, and West Virginia shooting fairly lights out, keeping us out of the game. But I'm, I'm curious, we'll start with Fireball Matt. What were your thoughts coming out of that game and, and what kept West Virginia uh, – or let me, let me flip that. What kept K-State from being able to, to overcome West Virginia? Uh, a couple things I felt from the defensive perspective, we, it was just an off night on the defensive side. Um, you could see the not having Desi Sills in the lineup um, was definitely a little bit of uh, it, it kept us back, but it's an understandable situation. I absolutely wish Desi and his family the best um, in a really you know, a terrible situation like that. Um, I, so I will preface with this last week. I felt I got strong armed a little bit into picking the cats in this game. I knew there was a lot riding against us being on the road in an environment that number one, West Virginia needed a resume win. Um, it was a home game for West Virginia. It was senior day. Um, and so some of those atmosphere pieces that give a team a little bit of a boost, um, you know, really in that second half kind of kind of put us in a bad spot. Um, Eric Stevenson, I mean, he was lights out. I fucking hate him. <laughs> he's so annoying um, <laughs> now. So he's he's one of those guys that I absolutely hate now. But um, Kedrian Johnson played really well at the point. Emmett Matthews just took advantage of 
us on the inside. Um, and again, kind of the road woes continued for us. Um, you know, the turnover battle was not great. Um, you know, in the first half, I felt like we did a really good job of, of getting West Virginia to turn the ball over. Um, but at the end of the day, just, we were a little bit lazy defensively. Um, and that's how many teams are able to get to the line. Um, it's just, um, lazy defense. Um, and it, it just turned in, it just turned into a game that that was going to be a losing battle with eight minutes to go. Um, West Virginia is a good team when they're on. I mean, we've seen that, you know, we saw that in Lawrence. If you watch the game in Lawrence, um, you know, they, they were in that until the final uh, whistle, but um, they're a scary team for the big 12 tournament. I think from a cat's perspective, it, it is what it is. It's another loss on the road, um, but you don't hang out a ton, uh, just because of what the game really meant for West Virginia's perspective. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that. When you say, like Bob said that we got curb stomped in the second half, I think there was a lot of uh, missed opportunities for the Cats when it comes to this game. Matt, you bring up the bad defense. I don't, it's, it's very that road Oklahoma game right before we started our four game winning streak. You know, it was, a lot of, I mean, back-to-back road games. I mean, obviously, we came into Morgantown off of a home game, but, you know, that that weird road atmosphere, the long drive, I don't think it, I mean, long flight or whatever, I don't think it really played that big into it, but it was more in their home atmosphere. They're getting a little bit of the, the whistles. Um, I could have seen Tang get a, a T for that. I would I was expecting to be a little more filed up for that whistle that was going more their way, but and it all spurred because of the hot the hotness that they had behind the arc in the first half. You know, they I think they shot probably I don't even know probably fifteen of their twenty two threes in that first half, and I mean they probably most of them probably were like six of them, but you know it was it was that hot start, and then we were trying to recover, trying to play out on the perimeter to stop the the threes from falling and it just made it so much easier from the score interior on the interior but to what bob had said being get, getting curb stomped i thought there was a lot of missed opportunities you know marquise noel gets a steal there's a layup uh, a no call for a goal 10 when we're we're down four in the second half that would have cut it to two but you know the fates have it when you get a missed call on your end, they get the the rebound, go down and shoot a three and it blows it out to seven and they never look back from there. And I think the team kind of like dipped their head a little bit because we were, we had got ourselves back into that game, making it, you know, a game to where we could, we could probably pull it out if we, we get the, the breaks and things happen. But give West Virginia the credit. They were money that Stevenson, like you, I mean, yeah, Stevenson, he was, he was on one. I think, what was it? Matthews. I mean, he might've missed like two shots the entire game. And it was, it's when, when Stevenson's going like that and their, their point guard is just slashing because we're hedging out so hard on the pick and rolls, trying to stop the threes from Stevenson and then they were money from the line with a favorable whistle in Morgantown. It was just a recipe for disaster. I'm I'm still glad, Matt, that you you ponied up and you picked the cats because I think that should have been a game for us. But you know, 
albeit we didn't win, but I want you to stay positive, Matt, because we got a lot of seasons. We ahead love of us, positive Matt. Yeah, you only get positive, Matt, a small handful of times uh, during the season. But uh, the key key for this game and the key for our games this season has been getting to the free throw line. That's where we've been getting a lot of cheap points. And when you only go to the free throw line 12 times in a game, it's one of two things, really. It's not being aggressive enough inside the paint. And it's West Virginia playing good defense. Um, I, for us to be successful in these games, we have to get to the line at the same number as the opposing team. Um, 18 to 20 at the minimum is a key for us. And we'll see that throughout the big 12 tournament and the type of matchups that we get. Um, TCU will be one where we struggled, uh, in the game, in Fort Worth, getting to the free throw line, we were able to do a lot of that in the game in Manhattan, or at least to, to keep us firmly in grasp of that game. But those are cheap points that allow you some flexibility in the game to not be so aggressive on the offensive side um, in your shot making. So uh, for the TCU game on Thursday, it's going to be key that we get to the line at a good rate. Um And I I mean, overall, you know, we shot 42% from three, which is a pretty decent number. Um, We just, uh, we just couldn't hold a lot of those two point shots on the West Virginia side, you know, shooting 51%. That's, that's a pretty, pretty extensive number to try and beat that. Well, it's, it's, we're, we're shorthand because of Desi, like you brought up. And I think he spaces the floor so much better for us. Not that he shoots the three particularly well, but it's just the ability for him to slash and set other people up in the two in, in side the arc where we can get to the foul line. I mean, think about it. Desi is a facilitator when he gets down into the paint and gets, you know, Keontae a lot of foul touches down there because he's dishing it off to Gasson or Tomlin or, you know, or Keontae. Keontae didn't go to the line one time. And as aggressive as he was playing in that first half, that is so hard for him not to even get to the line. We took, and I text you guys in the group chat during the game that West Virginia was, I mean, shooting nothing but threes. And, and what did it go out to? I mean, what we shoot? probably 33s it you know when we got that way we we kind of try to shoot our shoot our way back into the game and Marquise did did his damnedest to try to do that but that's not our game you know that is not our game that's where like the all the callouts we've had for tank to try to get us more sets and not run as much and just go down and just pull a three Run sets. I mean, Keontae was so hot. He was scorching hot in that first half, and we just kind of got away from him. I think. I think the announcer said that was his first. He has he had a a lull of like almost thirteen minutes without scoring a basket. So I mean, it's it, it's tough to see the missed opportunities because Marquise did us did keep us in that game, but missing Desi and the floor spacing. Because you're relying on Tyke Green. I think that was the most minutes Tyke's played all season. And I know Coley Dubs in the chat, and he'll probably kill me for saying this, but 
this game when West Virginia's scorching hot from the arc, we can't behind a three point line. We can. I mean, he's a banger versus TCU because TCU likes to get in transition and likes to get into the paint because they're a shitty shooting team. And Tyke is more adapted to that. But this West Virginia team, he was that was not a matchup that he that he could deal with. I think he fouled out of that game in like twenty minutes. So it was tough. But I think once we get Desi back, we're going to be playing inspired basketball. We're we're good, Matt. We're good, baby. I would say one more thing. So the statistic uh, a couple shows ago that I brought up. So after that Baylor game, we're fifteen and zero. If uh, our assist percentage was above sixty five and a half percent, and we went eighteen assists for thirty shots in that game um, this past Saturday. So the important piece in our offense is making sure we're getting assists on our shots, our, our made shots. Um, so in the game, a nice little statistic to always focus on is the assist percentage. We did not hit that 65.5% in this game on Saturday. Matt, with, with that stat, and, and I want to hear Chef's answer too, with that stat, how much of that do you feel like comes from some more of the drawn-up plays when this offense sets up and, and runs a play versus I, I feel like this the trap that this team falls into so many times, especially in games like the one we just had against West Virginia, is you you get into transition, you end up forcing something, and then the right shot doesn't fall, or, or you have someone who tries to get a breakaway dunk and then misses the dunk or misses a layup. How, how much of that assist percentage do you think goes back to – the the drawn up plays or the scripted plays that this that this offense runs from time to time. That's a tough question because I, there have been many games this season where we have really done a great job on the fast break um, because of maybe some stifling defense or or just an overall good defensive play that leads into a fast break transition bucket. This team really does feast on the half court offensive set. Um, Marquise does a, a wonderful job of commanding the point guard position and commanding the play. The biggest issue sometimes, though, is getting late into the shot clock and being a little bit maybe too aggressive, um, moving a, a late play um, or late shot clock play too quickly and guys aren't in the right position, guys aren't ready for the ball. That's where we see a lot of those turnovers being a little bit more relaxed on those half court possessions uh, in that offense is, is key for that percentage. Um, but you have to mix it up a little bit because we have guys that run. I mean, Desi Sills is a, is a great example of that. He's a guy who is extremely aggressive and on a transition bucket is a good majority of the time going to the hoop and he's either making it or he's drawing a foul. So there are going to be a handful of buckets like those in our games because we do run those transition pieces. But um, I, I, I think the key thing is being in a half-court offense and, and commanding that half-court offense as best as you can. Uh, that's where we've seen a lot of our success this year um, and, and mixing a handful of transition buckets. Um, but when this offense speeds up, it's, it's like a danger zone. I mean, that's, you just see it. Yeah. You know, the, when we're getting out in transition, like Matt was saying, that's where a lot of those assists are coming from because we're getting live ball turnovers. And 
I can't think for the life of me how many live ball turnovers West Virginia had. I mean, it was quite a bit, but, I mean, it was not enough to get our numbers up the way we usually do, especially because how, I mean, I heard a lot of – listening to a lot of podcasts today and a lot of Cam Carter slander, but he did miss a lot of shots today. And I think Desi, being the slasher he is, coming off of – when we swing those passes from Marquise off of pick and roll or when we swing it around the three-part arc, we get a lot of assists from that in our in our set our, – our half-court offense because we're moving the ball so efficiently and people can get to the basket and finish. But when Naquan's in foul trouble, not getting a rhythm. I mean, he was he was ready to explode if he could get not stay in foul trouble like he is. I mean, he's been hot, and this was another game where he started off good, but he, the foul started going, and he's out of rhythm. So then Tyke comes in. I think one of his bas- – the only basket he made today was off of an assist, but, you know – that's that's not in his when he's not playing as many minutes as he as he has all season and then he's thrust into this lineup and he's asked to do things it's it, it just wasn't conducive to getting a lot of assists and Keontae was a lot of isolation which I'm fine with and Marquise in the first half was stifled and wasn't making any shots but then in the second half a lot of isolation uh pull-up jumpers off of a pick and roll there's not the movement that we usually have. And when they're not live ball turnovers and they're making every shot, you know, a lot of that transition stuff does not come into play. So the assist rate isn't as high. So I don't know if that's the reason. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have happened in this game that we could have won and maybe not had the assist, but the the stat lives on. So Matt knows, Matt knows. And we know the key to victory because Matt's told us. So I think we just need to pass the ball better. No, probably not. But I think, you know, let's let's get a little more fluid and run a little more set plays with some cutters. And and I think this TCU matchup, which we're about to get into, is a lot more inducive to us getting those assists and winning games. Agreed. I think my my final question on West Virginia is what do you think – from what you've seen in that matchup and and even the Oklahoma matchup as well, just since we want to review the previous week, what do you think those games and and what you've taken from those games means for K-State's chances headed into postseason play, whether that's strictly this game against TCU or in general? I, I'm, I'm down to hear both, both answers for, for all of March as a whole holistically, uh, but also for this TCU matchup before we get into the full preview. What was the question? What do you think? <laughs> Jesus Christ. What do you think this game means and Ooh. what you've taken away from this game against West Virginia and I'll, potentially Oklahoma yeah, for yeah. postseason play? I'll, I'll, I'll answer this. Um, I'll get, I'll go. Matt, I don't know what you're going with because I don't know what Matt I'm going to get. But for me, I don't take a lot away from this game because it was a very inspired West Virginia team that was scorching red hot from three. And then that, well, they weren't scorching red hot from three, but you know, their, their timely shots changed our defense and it made them scorching red hot from two. How about I say that? And, you know, I'm not going to take too many. We're shorthanded. 
with our third, probably our third or fourth best player on the bench and very key, uh, not in the game and not being a key asset to our team at that time. So he, he couldn't play and, you know, it hurt, but I'm not going to take a lot from that game because it's, it's, that was the fourth largest crowd in that stadium's history. Jesus Christ. We're, are we not West Virginia Super Bowl? What's going on here? But <laughs> I'm not taking a. I'm not taking a lot from that game because I think I think we have run ability. I think we're gonna have the runs, baby. I don't like how you turn the <laughs> runs. We're gonna have the runs, baby. We're gonna go on a run, a deep run. <laughs> um, uh, I think quickly. I don't take too much stock in these two games. Um, you know, the Oklahoma game had that eight or ten minute stretch in the first half that looked abysmal. Um, but when this team is able to get on a <laughs> shoot, when this table team is able to get on a run and go on runs, um, it's, it's a hard team to try and beat. Um, so the Oklahoma game was a great one at home. I don't take too much stock in the West Virginia game because again, I think it was, there are a lot of factors at play and who needed that game more. Um, so the TCU game, I mean, we're going to, we're going to look at it here in a second. Um, I, I think this team is going to look a lot like the Iowa state and Baylor games at home against in the big 12 tournament. Um, I, I feel really good about our shallow tournament. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the, uh, the old horny frogs. Yeah, let's, let's talk about them. And, and I think one more piece I want to take away from, from this game and, and just recent, recent history is when this team has fresh legs and when this team is, is playing on a lot of rest, this team tends to play pretty well, especially closer to home. And, and we're going to be very close to home with a pretty sizable crowd in Kansas city for that game. I think fireball, Matt, you're going to be there. Uh, I'm sure Scott wildcat will be there. And, and a lot of our other friends uh, that we, that we know through K state Twitter and, and Bosco's boys and, and cocaine Willie. But um, I think it'll be super, super important knowing that this team's going to have more rest going into this matchup against TCU than we've had probably since what the, the December after, after finals and things like that. So I think that'll bode well uh, going into this matchup, but <clears throat> even if it is just an extra day of, of rest, but TCU, they are number 22 in the country. This will be in the Big 12 quarterfinals uh, in the Big 12 Conference Tournament in Kansas City at what I always want to call Sprint Center, but it's T-Mobile Center. Uh, The rankings as far as Ken Palm, the net, and Big 12 are concerned. Ken Palm, they are 25th overall. They're 57th in adjusted offense, 24th in adjusted defense. In the net, they are 28th. And they are seven and ten in quad one games. I think is is worth mentioning there. Uh, K State on the other side of that, I think is is nine and seven in quad one games. So we've we've got a, a better win percentage there on the quad one side of things. And then in the Big Twelve, they finish sixth overall, and therefore will be the sixth seed in the Big Twelve Conference tournament. I think as far as their season is concerned, we've talked about them twice now. We've played two games against them. They've had a bit of a wild ride of a season, and and it saw them reach super high highs of beating KU in Lawrence by 23. It's also seen low lows of, of having Mike miles out uh, for a good stretch in January and February. Eddie Lampkin was out for a stretch in January and February as well. And he's a big dude uh, that, that likes to body people on defense and and Northwestern state is a team that this team lost to back in November. So they've had some low lows this season. 
Uh, and it's clear that this team is better when Mike Miles is on the court. And, and like I mentioned, he had been sidelined for a number of games uh, when TCU hit that skid that where they lost, I think, six of eight games in late January and early February, including uh, the SEC Big 12 Challenge against Mississippi State. They dropped that game, dropped that game to Chris Jans uh, late in January. So I think as far as the guys to watch for, we, we, we all know him. It's Mike Miles. I've already mentioned him a couple of times. It's Damian Baugh. It's Emmanuel Miller. It's Eddie Lampkin. There, there are a bunch of guys on this team that that score <clears throat> at least 10 or more points per night. Uh, that's Miller, Baugh, and Miles. Uh, and you've got guys who are getting, you know, six and a half rebounds in, in Emmanuel Miller. You've got Eddie Lampkin, who's averaging six rebounds a game. And and you've got Damian Baugh, who distributes the ball a lot with, with six assists per game. So we know this team. We've played them twice. What are some of the things that, that the two of you are, are looking for in this game? And do you think we're going to see the more dominant TCU team that made a deep run last year in March and has had some high highs like winning in Lawrence this year? Or do you think we're going to see the team that dealt with some doldrums similar to the team that played Northwestern State and lost and, and the team that played without Mike Miles, who we, we think is pretty clearly an X factor chef uh, which TCU team are we going to see this weekend or this week? I'm hoping we see the most recent version of TCU, which is a TCU team that got skunked by Oklahoma at home. So, I mean, I'm, I, or were they on the road? They might've been on the road. They were on the road, but Getting skunked by Oklahoma, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, you know, Eddie Lampkin, he's been kind of our kryptonite when he's healthy. He's kind of a, a mismatch for our guys. But I'm not too worried about Mike Miles and the their guard play is fine. They don't really shoot the ball well, so that bodes well for us because we do have selective times where we let them shoot let them shoot threes if they want. And if they make them, you know, it's kind of you tip their cap to them. But they traditionally usually don't make threes, especially on the road or on neutral sites. So I'm kind of hoping we see the the TCU team that played Oklahoma and shot, you know, like 30% from the field. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I, that's the team I'm hoping that we get. And I think we can – I think we could possibly see that. Well, I do hope this – I hope we get a TCU team that um, looks like the ones that can't play on the road. Um, they seem to have a similar issue to, than us. Um, I'm anticipating the crowd on Thursday is going to be really, really, or er, really good um, in that evening session. Um, I will correct you, Mr. Trollsby. I actually will not be at the game on Thursday. I am. Uh, I am going to be watching this up in New York with my parents um, as the week after I'll be headed. I'll be headed to the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament in Albany, which as much as I would love to see my K-State Wildcats there, I do hope for our sake, we we are not put in Albany. Um, But anyway, uh, so we're going to have to contain Mike Miles. Um, He's as much of an X factor that we can call him. He's there on this team when he's healthy. Um, you know, Damian Baugh is a good player. I mean, he was rewarded with a, uh, first team or excuse me, second team, all big 12. Um, and then thinking about it from a rebounding perspective and, and what that Eddie Lamkin brings on the inside, 
I did not watch the Oklahoma game. Um, I not I watched a little bit of the uh, Texas game, but I don't know how he's moving around. Um, he didn't. I don't know he didn't even play. He, he didn't even play. Oh, he didn't even play. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to look. Um, but anyway, I mean, Eddie Lampkin is. I, I will continue to say this that Eddie Lampkin is a a bit of a matchup problem um, for us in in trying to. Um, you know, maintain the Thomas Gibson like of what he brings. I'm actually looking, and he no, he did not play at all. Okay, um, but anyway, so I, I think my final piece of the puzzle here is if we can contain Mike Miles um, from a shooting perspective um, and play TCU really. This needs, I think, to be a low scoring game for us to win. Um. That's my opinion. I think we got to hold them to at least under 40% shooting. Um, we got to get to the line. That's been a key thing um, in that game for or at, at Oklahoma on Saturday. Um, Oklahoma went to the line 23 times to TCU's 11. So if we can put something like that up there, that instantly is going to put us uh, with an advantage. And, you know, I, again, I think the atmosphere, when the Big 12 tournament comes around, one of the things that I, I – has always been a struggle. I think from a K-State perspective is you always have KU and Iowa state showing up really, really well. Um, and we've been put in their side of the bracket and, you know, sometimes it's hard to get an advantage in that arena. Um, and Thursday after or Thursday night, we should have a really good advantage in there. Um, and, and that'll hopefully bring the team some momentum and, uh, and get us a victory and get us on into Friday. Hell yeah. I love it. Well, I'm bummed that you won't be there, but I know there are going to be a lot of people wearing purple, not TCU purple, but K-State purple in that matchup on Thursday. And one last thing I do want to talk about before we talk some ball is uh, the Big 12 honors that were released for the regular season, coach of the year, players of the year, first team, all that good stuff. And just want to give give out some flowers. We gave out flowers to these guys a couple of weeks back, but uh, first team, all Big 12, Marquis Dewell and Keontae Johnson, those two guys uh, were the only the only two representatives of a single school in any, or at least in the first team. Uh, it looks like TCU had two guys in the second team, but uh, love seeing that. I mean, what was the last, when was the last time that we had two guys representing K-State in the All Big 12? Was it, was it on the Cam Barry Dean team? Yeah. I think it was... Uh... Uh, Barry and Dean were first team in, yeah. was that 2019? Uh, 19? 19. Was it 19? 19. The Big 19. 12 championship year? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. So love to see that. They're joined by Adam Flagler from Baylor, Jalen Wilson from KU, and Marcus Carr from Texas. And I think all three of those guys are, are more than deserving as well to be on the first team. And, you know, first through third team, Keontae and Marquise are the only two guys from K-State who are represented. So uh, it would have been great to have someone represent some of those deeper teams. But at the same time, I do think uh, that we that we were well represented by having two guys in the first team. And, and I'm not at all disappointed by not seeing a guy like Naquan or, or Desi Sills on, on one of those honorable mentions or third team. I, I think it's a really fair team that they set up there uh, and and open to any thoughts on that too. But I do want to get through a couple of these other awards that we've gotten. Uh, Newcomer of the year was Keontae Johnson. He was on the all newcomer team as well. 
And then Marquise Noel uh, made the all defensive team. And finally, last but not least, coach of the year went to coach Jerome Tang, who we, you know, I, I'm over the moon about. I could not could not imagine when he first started and, and talked about elevating the standard. I, I didn't I, I believed in him, but I didn't think it would happen in year one, to, to be totally honest. So I, I'm really, really impressed with the Big 12 honors that they put out there. I, I want to throw it over to to the two of you to talk through your initial thoughts. Do you think anybody was snubbed? You know, let's just let's just talk through uh, your initial thoughts to the all Big 12 teams. In relation to Kansas State, I think Marquise and Keontae got exactly what they deserved. I was a little confused by Adam Flagler getting the unanimous uh, first team all Big 12 instead of Marquise. But, you know, I don't know how those voters, because a lot of them, I mean, a lot of the coaches like look at Marquise a little differently than, you know, some do because he's, he, I mean, in relation to the turnovers, he had, he does have a high turnover, but usage rate and all that stuff. And he, I think he led the league in scoring just in league play, averaging close to 20, 20 a game and led the league in assists, steals, all that shit. And I thought that was a little weird that he didn't get uh, unanimous, but Keontae, newcomer of the year, exactly what you should, what, I mean, it was a given that he was going to get it, you know. Uh, I don't know what the – he was – Jalen Wilson was unanimous as uh, player of the year, which, you know, I, I could see. I could see that, but I would have liked to see them maybe get – maybe not be unanimous and maybe split the votes a little bit for either Marquise or Keontae, but he had a really good season. The only thing I could say is that maybe Naquan be on – the newcomer, the newcomer team, you know, I, I'm trying to think who was on that. Uh, Keontae, Keontae George, and then I'm trying to think of who who else was on that team. Uh, um, it was Jaron Holmes, Grady Dick, He's, and uh, Jabari Rice. Okay, so Jabari Rice, Grady, but you know that Holmes. Holmes compared to Naquan, I think they're two different positions. The big, That's another thing. The bigs in the Big 12 kind of got a little bit of disrespect. I mean, they don't put up the numbers, but, you know, they there are influences in the Big 12 from big men, and I think maybe they should have got a little bit more love, but they didn't. So I'll let Matt, you know, I, I don't want to delve too deep because I want you to have something to talk about. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, I didn't have too, too many issues. I think I had potentially mentioned Flagler, <laughs> maybe swapping him with Keontae George. Um, I thought Keontae George just had a really, really good year for Baylor. Um, and then I think my other one, I can't remember. I'm actually looking at the awards right now. The all newcomer team, I it's, Eric Stevenson not making that was a huge surprise for me. Um, considering he was Big 12 third team, um, I would have probably put him over Jaron Holmes. But I I don't know. I don't think there was too, too many kind of snubs here. I wasn't surprised that Tang won coach of the year. Um, I, it does pain me to say it, but I do think Bill Self sometimes gets a short end of the stick because 
he does do so well every year. It's the expectation that KU's in the top. And so why pick him as coach of the year? I mean, he had to do a lot to really develop this team this season. So, I mean, I think Tang overall absolutely deserved the award. Um, but I understand some people thinking that Bill Self should at least be in the conversation of that. Um, there was also some uh, people, you know, of course, thinking about Desi Sills and the sixth man. Um, you know, Desi has been a great sixth man for us all season. Watching Jabari Rice come off the bench, I mean, he's a really good player for Texas. So I, again, wasn't really super surprised there. But it's great to see our team represented in the first team. I mean, it's it's very impressive, of course, to have two guys make all big first team. Um, it, it's definitely a great honor. And I, it, it just shows that this season, how amazing it was to be able to get a guy like Keontae Johnson, to get him to fit into the system, into this new program, and have him develop in a way that really we all expect yeah, – not expected. We all wanted to see uh, based off of his highlights from Florida and, and he's really exceeded those expectations. And I mean, I hope he makes it to the next level. I mean, I've seen him in some NBA draft, you know, uh, draft conversations. Um, Brad Stevens, please draft him for, for the Celtics. That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very happy for, for the guys and in, in this team and, yeah, I saw he, him most recently up. projected as 36. Sorry, Chef. I just wanted to chime in on the Keontae NBA talk. I saw him. I was looking at this like two hours ago or something. He's projected 36th overall, which would put him just in the in the front end of the second round. It looked like, but that was that was just according to one guy. There have been a lot of projections that put him late first round, but but it, it's looking like kind of edge of first round, beginning of second round right now. Yeah, you you brought up the Celtics, Matt, and I mean, when I was I was thinking about this because I was just reminiscing on like, I mean, the seasons the the regular season's over. This was this was our twenty twenty three regular season basketball team, and I, I I was thinking of all the success that we had, and could we imagine that we were going to be twenty three and eight and going into that last like four games thinking that we still had an outside chance of making winning the big 12 and all that stuff. But I was thinking about Keontae and I was trying to think of a player comp that I could give him. And you bring up the Celtics and you know, the grant will, I think his name's Grant Williams. He, he used to play at tenant. Yes. Yes. He plays at, ten, but you know, I think Keontae is a little bit better ball handler. I think with, uh, with an NBA schedule where he's literally doing nothing but playing basketball, not worrying about class and all this stupid shit where he can just focus on his body. I think he can fill out even more and become more of a physical, physical threat. And I compared him to Grant Williams because his, his, he's could be Keontae with the stroke that he has giving, that's a term that Bob liked to uh, give Keontae the super sweet stroke. I think in the NBA, he could be a set corner, a set shot guy that can get in there and bang and rebound and stuff like that. But I compare him to Grant Williams. He's with a little bit better ball handling ability. He'll have to step up on the defensive end, but I think that's just more of a commitment thing. And when he finds his role in the NBA and they're asking him to be a 3 and D guy, I think Keontae is going to be able to flourish and he'll probably be like a if, – if everything goes the way it should and his – the medical history is all in the past. I, I, there's no reason why he can't be a, a 13 and seven guy in the NBA. 
you know, that's that's what I see. And I could that's a very valuable piece in the NBA. That that's a thirteen and seven guy in the NBA that can dish it and handle the ball and not just be a three and D guy, but even expand a little bit more is the difference between you winning a championship and being a middle of the pack team. So Keontae, if he plays his cards right, he'll be a very, very wealthy man for a long time. Which is well deserved for everything he's have been through and yeah, hopefully I can uh, be buying a Celtics jersey with his uh, name on the back. Yeah, and and, and if uh, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it for Marquise too because Marquise, I think he's going to get maybe NBA looks. The only problem is he's not going to be able to do the things that make him successful in defense that he does in the college world because, you know, the NBA is, is very <laughs> – it's – it's torture, basically. They're going to put Marquise on an island, and I don't know how much his physical limitations is going to, you know, I mean, Muggsy Bowes and, and Spud Webb and all of them, they, that was a totally different NBA, and it, 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 it's not conducive to what Marquise does because Marquise is a very, you know, ball-heavy guy shoot the three, and that shit's not going to fly in the NBA when you're 5'8 and you don't play defense. So if his defense can translate to the NBA, maybe, but, you know, I don't necessarily see him. Maybe he'll get some run. You know, he, I just, it's just, it's just going to be hard. He, I, but I he's going to make a lot of money in Europe he's gonna make or a lot China of money. or wherever. He's going to make a shit ton of money. But it's in the NBA, it's going to be very, very hard. And he's an older guy too. So it's, I don't know. He might be a G League guy. Um, it, it brings a good point. You know, I think the New Zealand Breakers, a.k.a. Barry Brown's team, they, they might need a point guard. Um, and uh, Barry, in his first year there, is averaging like 19 a game as a rookie in that league, which is kind of impressive. So, you know what? Maybe bring Marquise Noel to Auckland, New Zealand. And, and I, I think you, there's something to be said. Makes, I, I, sorry, Chef, go ahead. I was just going to say, I bet you any amount of money that he'll be in China – or in, uh, you know, one of those leagues out there, and he's going to make, you know, 400 million yen or something like that. And, I mean, he's just throwing them in from half court and people ooh and awe over it. And I think I think that's not anything to be frowned upon because, I mean, that's, you know, when you're playing professional basketball, I don't care where you're doing it. I, I want to see Marquise make as much money and feed his family off of basketball. And... You know, even if his NBA career doesn't happen or his professional career doesn't last as long as he is, he's such a smart, headsy guy and well-spoken. You know, that that dude, if I don't know how long Tane's going to do it for, but that dude's got a, a world in coaching because he, he knows basketball. He's a great motivator, and he's he's about it. So if, if it was me, I would – Maybe a GA or something like that in his future too, somewhere. I think the only other thing I want to mention is is similar to your point of I, I wouldn't disrespect or knock any of those guys that play overseas. I mean, you get you get a Euroleague player, typically those guys are making four hundred to eight hundred K per year. 
and some of the best players are making like two to five million a year. So th- you can still make a ton of money if you're playing over there. I mean, shit, Michael Beasley played over there for a long time in, in China. So you you get these guys to play overseas. That's that's enough to not just feed your family. That that'll be a nice retirement and and a pension and pretty much anything you could ever possibly need for the rest of your life if you're smart with your cash. Yeah, Jacob Pullen for Barcelona. I mean, that's when I think of Jacob Pullen as a professional outside of K-State, I don't see him in anything, any other uniform other than Barcelona. And I, I, you know, that just makes me proud because these guys, you know, because there's how many roster spots, uh, Matt? There's 32 teams, 15, 15 roster spots. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a very selective group of young men that play in the NBA. And for you not to make it to the NBA, that is, that's no shot. That's no shot at you for saying that you didn't make it to the NBA because I, I could think of people being a lot more successful doing playing basketball somewhere else or, you know, just getting their foot in the door to become a coach, to become, you know, a, a assistant somewhere. And if Marquise does that, I mean, that could be just as much as successful as him being a practice squad guy or whatever in the NBA and trying to make, trying to make teams for so long and not making it. I'd rather him, you know, be successful over in Europe or China or wherever. I will just lastly say before we get into our next topic, that 400 million Chinese yuan won is 57 million us dollars. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. My exchange rate is a little broken. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of the the, the rate, you know, but 57, I would take $57 million right now. I mean, I mean, shit, I'd take 57 million yuan or whatever. I, I don't know what the exchange rate I'd is take for that. I'd take $57,000. I'd take $57 right now. I'll take 57 McChickens right now. <laughs> and and I'm I mean we're saying all this as as I look at our dashboard here in uh, on Anchor.fm, which is the only advertising we've ever done anything for for this podcast. We currently have in our bank twenty. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't make the people jealous. Don't do twenty six thousand dollars. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Just uh, divide that d- divide that by a thousand dollars. And with that, I, I mean, I want to talk about I want to talk about these Big 12 tournament menu items. Uh, should we should we talk about the Wabash Cannon dog, guys? Yeah, I'm definitely getting one of those tomorrow. And it is not <laughs> even close. And it's not even like it's a K-State thing. But, you know, a bacon wrapped hot dog is like is fire. It really is. It, it's a game changer from a hot dog. I'm wondering how they make their purple. Absolutely. I'm wondering how they're making their purple relish. Are they dyeing it after the fact, or are they brining their pickles purple at first? And then because it looked real, it almost looked like a chutney on top of it. It was so thick and purple. So, all right, I, yeah. chef, chef, you're the chef. If you had to make a purple relish, give us in ten seconds how you would do it. <laughs> well, I. What I would do is I would I would add a little purple food color to the brine at first, and you could still use dill. You could do all that stuff because if you add it post, if you add it post pickles being chopped and into the relish, it's gonna you're you're asking people to trust you that they're not gonna dye their teeth purple. So what I would do I would 
all those pictures, I'm not going to, I don't want to bash the Big 12, but they need somebody to get on their photo, photo ability because they made all those things so unappetizing with the pictures that they did just isolated on a wood board like, like in some warehouse. Like, who took these pictures? They look like absolute <laughs> dog shit. Uh, but, you know, if I were to make a pur- if I were to make a purple relish, I would get the finest kosher, you know, purple or not purple, just a nice cucumber, nice, you know, juicy, but have it a little bit of texture on it with the bump, the bumpy pickles. I, lo- I can't remember what those ones are called for the life of me. They're probably just called pickling pickles. I mean, pickling cucumbers, but uh, or maybe even a. Oh, like a Japanese cucumber with that doesn't have a lot of seeds. And then I would get the brine. I would I would get it nice and hot with the vinegar and dill and garlic. And then and you could even use purple garlic at that point. And then put the purple food dye in there. Set it for however long you want. Get those things up. Chop them. And then you it could be light purple because you know all the K State fans are loving lavender right now. If you chop up a pickle, a cucumber or pickle when it's nice and hot and just has a tinge of purple, I think that would look a lot better than that radioactive purple that they got going right now. I'm going to demolish like two of those tomorrow. I don't even care. Chef, to your point about the photography, I feel like they should have chosen a different angle for the Wabash Cannon Dog because it it looks really... Really yeah, similar looks, to something it, something else from the angle that they chose. It looks it looks like they like found the food and just like threw it on a table and like somebody left the food there. Like they should have had models holding this food or something like that. Like why are we why are we just isolating this food? Just it looks cold. It looks sad. The bun looks unimaginative. It, it's just that's actually looks, that's actually how it's served. Every they have. A, I believe <laughs> it. I believe it. But you, I mean, it's definitely when uh, it, it when of, it's fresh out. They're front. They're obviously wrapping the bacon. If I had a, I could I could tell you exactly what they're gonna do and how the operation of frying a hot dog wrapped in bacon and then serving it. I mean, they should have a bun with purple poppy seeds or, you know, why not do like a a bun that is purple or something like that. Let's not just use a a freaking ballpark Frank bun out of the pack and like just slop a dog in there. Come on, guys. Let's get – Let's do a little bit of service for the people because you're going to pay $27 for that hot dog. I, I bet. No doubt about I it. I bet or not. <laughs> oh, you will, buddy. You're, you're going to like it. I'd like, I'd like to think that they were going to do purple hot dog buns, but then they had to put the amount of money into that into whoever the fuck is singing the national anthem on Saturday at a basketball Are we getting game. a Shanti again? Just, no, we're getting is we're it a Jordan Sparks. You, you know, better not. Oh, Jordan Sparks. Jordan Sparks, man. Don't okay, get... tell me Jordan Sparks' last hit. Good. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. No, you can't. Um, I, the one thing that looks the worst is the Stormin' from Norman, Oklahoma Taco. I'm going to tell you that half of those toppings are going to be on the, the T-Mobile Center floor in front of whoever the fuck is trying to eat that in the upper deck. 
It looks like an open faced taco, but the open like the taco itself is a waffle. That's not going to stay. That's not going to stay on. I think you're absolutely right. It's all going to end up and, on the, the T-Mobile Center floor. And how the hell did Texas Tech not get something with a tortilla? That's a big that mess. That is a strict. That's a very very bad oversight. And I just really quick. I I don't think that purple sour cream looks even remotely appetizing. It looks I'm like getting a, in here. I just unmuted. I just had a look at the food. I don't. I'm I'm gonna say that the purple the purple on the tots looks pretty good. I enjoy that. The, that's the light purple that I'm kind of looking for. Uh, I'm gonna go through all of them real quick, and I'll let you guys uh, bash me for what I'm about to say. The burger, uninspired. Not a lot of condiments on it. You're gonna be dealing with a lot of breading because it's bread, obviously on a bun. You got breading on a two onion rings. Not a lot of condiments. I'm, I'm assuming you could put it on there yourself. You've got beans. They're probably not going to serve it in that. Uh, obviously, they're not serving it in a glass bowl, so you're going to get that in like a little paper cup. Not going to be great. Uh, the open-faced taco that you guys were just bashing looks pretty good. The lettuce is going to be wilted because you're going to have – I mean, that's a lot of stuff to layer on there, <laughs> like you said. What is that? The mac and cheese looks a little dry. I'm assuming that's baked. But if if it was me, I would have noodles pre-made, dip it into some water, throw your cheese sauce in there, mix it up, and then serve it on your pulled pork. That's actually not too bad. What's the one in the square bowl? Give me oh, the uh, give me the stuff. The fried it's corn a, dip or whatever. A elote style oh, bacon yeah, fried yes. corn. Okay, what are we dipping into that? Because I mean, that looks like a dip. I figured it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be corn on the cob, like that style. I would have. Oh, no, it has crushed Doritos in it. So I don't know what you're dipping into that. A plastic spoon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not in favor of that. I figured they would do like a corn on the cob with the the elote style with like the mayonnaise and all that stuff. Crust it with like ground up Doritos and you eat it like corn on the cob. Um, just like you would do with street Mexican corn, um, root beer float, boring as fuck, but it, it's probably going to be the best thing on here. You know, I don't see the tort, the quesadilla for the Texas. I wish they would have had the Rojo sauce separate from the quesadilla so you could do a little dip action because I don't like a saucy, I don't like a saucy quesadilla. That's very Taco Bell of them to do that. And it's in a square. Not a fan. Uh, who's the top dog? What's that one? Who's got the top dog on that one? Not. It's the other hot dog. The the big foot long. There isn't. There isn't another one. We what? have that. Isn't that who's? We have the, the who's hot got dog. The, who's got the dog up at the top? Oh, dude. No, they do. <laughs> There's a. That's a Polish a, dog. No, the in Polish the dog, in the photo in the photo that the conference put out to start the thread, there oh, is a yeah. there's a separate hot dog there that's not assigned to any of the one schools or any of the ten schools. Oh, okay, that's the you see. I feel well, just that's the uh, John that? Higgins Big Dick Energy hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> the real star, the real star. Of yeah, it is because he's going to make his presence known. <laughs> He is trying to overshadow all these other teams by being the guy. He is the selection. That's perfect. 
That's perfect. So, so I do, I do real quick, real quick. I, I want to get everybody's take on for the net, for the four incoming teams. If you were to assign them a food item, what would it be? I will go first. So for BYU, I went ahead and already tweeted this out. It's going to be a glass of water with a side of stale crackers for Cincinnati. I was going to go with the chili thing. That's a little cliche. There's another chain based out of Cincinnati called Tom and Chi, and they do tomato soup with grilled cheese. So I think that would be a nice, you know, that'd be a nice little thing, you know, warm, nice meal in March. It's still maybe a little cold in, in Kansas City. I'm not totally sure. Uh, for Houston, I'm going to do the Tillman Fertitta Frittata because why not? And then UCF is going to be board shorts with a side of regret. Oh my God, Tom and Chi was on a Shark Tank, by the way. Tom and Chi, it was. They were a customer of mine in a previous secret day job. Uh, well, I'll go. I only really thought of the UCF one, and I text you guys this, but I I was thinking of John Madden, like a like a turducken. But then I I got rid of that because you know I was gonna fry a mouse and put it inside of a duck and then put it inside of a dog, but then. I said no, that's a little too much. So I went with the the Mickey Mouse Club, where it's a it's a sliced a rotisserie mouse sliced, rotisserie dog sliced, rotisserie duck sliced onto a club sandwich, and then served to you <laughs> to your enjoyment. <laughs> rotisserie mouse. Oh wow! Delicious. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I mean, that's very Disney of them, you know, because it's Disney University. Disney uh, Community Southwest College. Or, uh, Disney Community Yeah, College. Disney Community College. Um, for BYU, <clears throat> I'm going to pick the Cougar Tail, which is a 16-inch maple donut. Um, oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And then uh, Cincinnati will be that shitty chili dog thing and then houston i'll go with the bond me because they have a pretty uh, large vietnamese oh, population yeah. and then uh ucf i know i uh, sent it all to you but i'm gonna pick the turkey leg because if you go to disney world you'll see 98 percent of the people eating that stupid fucking turkey leg while they're waiting to ride space mountain i just imagine all these people holding these eggs walking throughout the T-Mobile Center. I watched a movie one time called Cougar Tales. It was a, nope. It's a dark movie. Um, we're not, <laughs> I, don't care about your, I don't care about your porn hub history. We're not bringing that up on this show. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are killing me today. You guys are killing I me. Can't. I can't. Uh, so speaking of the Big 12 tournament, uh, we're going to do a, a little bit of an extension of guys. To, I guess we are, we've kind of already started guys talking ball, but we're going to do an extension as we talk through our big 12 tournament predictions. We're going to fill out our, our brackets here live essentially. And after that, we want to talk about where K-State's going to be seated in, in the big dance in in the big March madness NCAA tournament that we all know and love and to start out the games. And then we'll go around the horn with, with everybody's prediction and and any thoughts that that folks have, but we'll start with West Virginia. They are the number eight seed playing Texas tech, the number nine seed in the first of two play in games. I've got West Virginia 
let's go around the horn with with your prediction. Um, I can start. Um, I'm going with West Virginia in this game. Um, I think Texas Tech is going to be just kind of on a we want to get this shitty season over with mindset. So um, I I don't think it's going to be close. I think West Virginia is going to nail this one. And uh, I'll uh, just do a shameless plug. I am headed to the Big 12 tournament tomorrow. Would love to see some cocaine cats down in power and light for the game. I'll go next and I'll pick. I'm going to go Texas Tech. I think they're going to be a little inspired with the dis- the suspension of Mark Adams, and I think they're going to be playing uh, inspired basketball. So West Virginia, not going to have a lot of support there. Neither will Texas Tech, but I, I, got, a, I got a feeling that Harmon kid is going to go off, and uh, Texas Tech is going to get it done, and it just leads to conspiracy theory even more that – Brett, your mark is going to go out again. And we'll see if that happens. And I, you mentioned Davion Harmon. I think this might also be potentially uh, Kevin O'Banner's last game, depending on if they make uh, an NIT appearance or not, or, or if they end up making a run in the tournament or the Big 12 tournament, and then potentially if they get the automatic bid or not. We'll see what happens there. But, but I'm not going to go that far yet. The second play-in game is Oklahoma State, the seven seed versus Oklahoma the Stormin Normans, uh, the 10 seed, the, the fighting sister, sister Norman jeans. Uh, I've got Oklahoma state. I don't think it's even going to be particularly close if I'm being honest. And Oklahoma state's essentially playing for, for an NCAA tournament appearance, given that they still have some work to do. I first four out or next four out, according to Lenardi. So I'm, I'm feeling confident that they're going to at least show up for this first matchup against Oklahoma in what could be one of the last games of Bedlam that we see in basketball. Um, I'm also going Oklahoma State. I think they know that they've got to at least get one win here in the tournament to feel comfortable they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I think it will be a little bit of a closer game, uh, but Oklahoma State's going to pull it. I'm going to go OU, and that's going to end the Mike Boynton run. And there's going to be a lot of heat on Mike Boynton for the next couple, maybe the next year, you know. Uh, but I don't think Oklahoma State's going to make the tournament. I think Oklahoma's going to pull off the upset. And, you know, they're they're really looking forward to that next matchup after they make this this opening game complete. Next game is Baylor versus Iowa State. It's a matchup of the four seed versus the five seed. Iowa State, who's going to be Caleb Grillless, and a team that played, or a matchup between two teams that played on Saturday. And that wasn't particularly close with Iowa State taking a pretty big victory. I've got Iowa State repeating just a few days after uh, this win that they had against Baylor. And I think they're they're playing with a little bit of a different energy since Caleb Grill has been dismissed from the team. So I'm curious to hear if, if y'all think it'll be Baylor or Iowa State that pulls out the dub. Um, I'm going with Baylor. Um, I, I think Baylor is going to get it together a little bit. They needed this week off um, to get a little bit healthier. Um, I know Keontae George did play in that Iowa State game, but I, I wouldn't say he looked as exceptional as he's been this season. And I think Iowa State really over <laughs> they they just I just completely fucking blanked. God damn it! They played over their 
what they should have against Baylor, basically. Um, so I, although Iowa State's going to have a very large contingent there um, for their annual holiday, uh, Baylor's going to pull this one out. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one, Matt. I think Baylor is going to uh, get it together. I don't know how successful they've been in the Big 12 tournaments. I think there's been some record of like Scott Drew not putting a lot of uh, effort into this Big 12 tournament. But I think they're going to get this one done. Iowa State's magic has kind of run its course. That game was very, very strange for Baylor to to get absolutely thumped at home by Iowa State. But I think they're going to be able to get it together. I think, what's his name? Chachua. He's going to have a big game versus Iowa State. Everyday John, allegedly. Every- That's what Fran Fischilla. JTT. JTT, everyday John. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he fares in, in these matchups. And the next one is KU versus the winner of West Virginia and Texas Tech. I had West Virginia winning, so I've got KU losing to the West Virginia Mountaineers, who I have going deep in the Big 12 tournament this year. Chef, uh, your matchup would be between KU and Texas Tech. Who would you have in that particular matchup? Oh, Lord. Uh, I don't see KU losing to West Virginia or Texas Tech, so I'm going to go with the Squawks on this one. They're going to advance another day and get ready to face Baylor. Let's say you fireball, Matt. Um. Easy peasy. Um, I think it's going to be the Hawks. Um, I think West Virginia will give this a game. Uh, you know, this that game in Allen Fieldhouse. I do. I do think proved a little bit from a West Virginia perspective that they match up with KU, um, and I, I think it'll be close. But KU will unfortunately pull it out. And. Next, up to bat, we've got the number two seed, Texas Longhorns, versus the winner of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I have Texas taking that victory probably, again, fairly easily. Uh, Chef, I've got you next for is it, is it, who's going to win Red River Part 3 in, in your matchup. Yeah, Oklahoma played them really, really tight last time they played. I'm pretty sure that was last time they played, and it was, I mean, it was down to the wire, and Texas found a way to pull it out. I got Texas winning this one, though, and, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy because I think Texas is a good team, and I want them to represent the Big 12 very well in the NCAA tournament. Oh, I would love Texas to lose as a two seed to a 15, but that's just me. Um, I I did pick Texas here. Um, I, I do think... I at least think they're going to make the semifinal um, Oklahoma state. It's another situation where if Oklahoma state can upset Texas, that does cement the NCAA tournament for them. I think if they win the first round, they're good, but you beat Texas that that says you're in. And so I think you're going to see some inspired energy from the the Cowboys. Um, is it going to be enough against Texas? I don't necessarily think so. Um, so I'm picking Texas. And the final matchup of Thursday, we've got our favorite Kansas State Fighting Wildcats versus the TCU Horned Frogs, who we've already talked about in the matchup of the three seed versus the six seed. I've got the Cats pulling off the victory there uh, to take two of three from TCU on the season. Chef, who you got? I also have the Cats. 
Uh, you know, the night cats, they like to play and, you know, everybody seems very relaxed and all, all together, you know, K-State's only guaranteed two more games this season. So I think they're really embracing that they want, they want to get these dubs and, you know, just continue the season and continue to play together. And this is Desi Desi. Desi Grills first game back after his cousin died and you know this is going to be this is going to be all inspired. I'm excited to see the Cats roll. Mm. Okay, oh, State. I just completely blanked. Uh K-State. Yo Cats. I do think we're going to beat the Horn Frogs. All right. So we're all Cats across the board. With that, we're going to bring us, that brings us to the semifinal games. Uh, So we all, I think, have very different answers for some of these. I have currently West Virginia versus Iowa State in the semifinals, and I've got Virginia pulling off the victory there to meet the Texas Longhorns in the final, who I think will beat K-State in the semifinals. Uh, Let's go over to Chef for who you've got in the semifinals, which I'm seeing for you, Baylor versus KU and Texas versus K-State. You are correct. And I have Baylor beating K- KU. Very. I what time is that game? Is that a five, like a five o'clock game? That would be the early game. Uh, probably six o'clock. Six o'clock. Cause we, we would play at like nine or something. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I got Baylor beating KU very tight game. Keontae George probably dunk faces on KJ Adams. It's going to be hysterical. And then I got K-State beating Texas rematch for Scott Drew and Jerome Tang for the third time, baby. Gosh, I would love that. Um, I'm going, excuse me, I'm going KU and Baylor. I pick KU. Um, I have Texas versus K-State. I do pick K-State to win that. Um, So a third sunflower showdown in the final. All right. All right. We've all got three different final matchups. I've got Texas versus West Virginia, and I have the fighting Bob Huggins, the the old man who's a good coach, old fart who's a very, very good coach, pulling off the dub, uh, going into March Madness with a very, very hot run, hot streak, and uh, Texas is – they're going to avoid getting swept by Texas for the season. Uh, and Mountaineers 12 tournament champs for 2023. Uh, I have the Baylor Bears beating K-State in the rubber match. Scott Drew finally gets that win over his old-time assistant. You know, Scott, you know, there's been some reports of Jerome Tang asking the K-State faithful to run the Bears, you know, because they're on the opposite side of the bracket, but they finally meet and – Jerome Tang's happy with his team. He's happy with his performance in the Big 12 tournament, and he's happy Scott Drew, his old best friend slash brother, getting the Big 12 championship. Man, we're like really bad K-State fans because I did not actually pick K-State to win the final either. Um, uh, I think – KU is shown to be at the upper echelon in the big 12 this season. Um, you know, I, I feel that they are the best team in the big 12. Um, 
And historically, when we play KU in a Big 12 tournament final, it never turns out really well against us. Um, so I do think the Jayhawks are going to um, beat K-State in the final. Um, and I will say, at least from oh, – we're going to talk about seeding here in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I think that's a fine segue, yeah. though. We've, we've all given our predictions, and, and my first question to you was going to be, if you think KU makes a run – and wins the conference tournament, do you think that's all they need in order to secure the number one overall seed, knowing that you've got Purdue and Bama and, and what, Arizona in the mix for that? UCLA. I forget who the fourth team is. UCLA. 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 And Houston. Um, and Houston, yeah. I, I th- And Houston. How could I? I think if KU makes – I think KU, in your predict, prediction, loses to West Virginia – I do think still they'll still be a one seed. They'll probably be the fourth number one seed. Um, I think from a body of work perspective this season, they they have everything that they need to be a one seed. I don't think there's any way that they will ever ever drop to a two seed. Um, to be the overall number one seed, I think they have to make the final. Um, that's my prediction um, that KU will be a one seed, um, at least with mine. Um, they'll be the overall number one seed. I think K-State's ceiling is a two. I think our floor is a three at this point. Um, I I don't see with a loss to TCU us drop into a four seed. Um, obviously, it's going to depend on a number of things. I think for us, we are hoping that Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's tonight. Um, cause I know they're in that three C territory. Um, and, and obviously we want to try and get us in a position to be in Des Moines or Denver, um, from a fan perspective. Um, I thinking I, with my prediction, I'm thinking K-State will get to a two C if they make the final. Yeah. With me, when it comes to the seeding for the NCAA tournament, I don't know if we're going to go into greater detail for that because you kind of just asked about KU. Um, if I don't, I have KU losing to Baylor. I think they're kind of the two, the second one seed right now, as it sits, you know, Joe Lonardi has them as the number one overall seed. And I don't know if Palm for CBS does, I think it's pretty close, but the computers love Houston so much that if they, they run away for with their conference championship game, I think it's going to be hard to supplant them, especially how uh, the the committee, I think, had Alabama as the number one overall seed when they did their early bracket release. That was, I mean, seems like forever ago. But, you know, they if they had them at that and Alabama's loss since then a couple of times – Houston, I think, is going to be so hard to supplant because of their computer numbers. But if case if KU wins the whole thing, I think they'll be the number one overall seed. And I don't know if that's a good thing for K State, especially if we go if like I have them uh, them going to the final. That would basically mean that we'd beat either Texas, 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 Baylor. No, hold on. Texas, TCU, or Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, some some combination of those three, will that be enough to get us into a solid two seed? I mean, like Matt said, it's just it's just a depending on a whole bunch of scenarios because, you know, Marquette, 
Marquette is the two seed that is kind of the newest on the block. Um, and they're not even favored to win the Big East tournament as the number one overall seed. You know, Purdue dropping is a real possibility down to a two seed line and UCLA moving up. But if UCLA loses to Arizona, Arizona has a chance. There's a whole bunch of different possibilities. But like Matt said, I think a two seed is the the ceiling and the floor. I think a floor for K-State could possibly be a, a four, depending on, like you said, Gonzaga, Arizona, and, you know, those teams surpassing us maybe getting us to a four, which would not be great, but it would, that would have to be a, like a TCU absolute shellacking of us in the opening round and us coming off of two losses going into the NCAA tournament. But I don't see that happening. So or I'm not even going to put that in my brain. Yeah. And, and my take on it is I don't think K-State's going to fall below a three seed because when they release the initial bracket view, which I don't know why they don't do more of those. I don't understand why they just do one of them like three weeks before yeah, me neither. Before the end of the season. And, and then they just don't do another one. But they had us as a three seed after losing consecutive games to Oklahoma and Texas Tech. And it was going into that Iowa State matchup um, that they released that bracket. So we hadn't played that Iowa State game yet. We hadn't even won. We had come off of our two worst losses of the season. And they still respected K-State's body of work enough to have them as a three seed. So I feel confident we won't drop below a three seed. I think the question at this point is, do we have enough to be a two seed? Palm right now has us as a two seed. Lenardi right now has us as a three seed from what I'm seeing just from click and refresh. He's got Baylor and Texas ahead of us as two seeds, unfortunately. And, and, Looking at Jerry Palms, I mean that would be a fun that'd be a fun ass first round because you'd be playing in Denver, and you'd have Texas and Creighton playing in Denver on the other side of the bracket. You would have, let's see, K State playing UNC Asheville, and Kentucky would be the team that we would face. No, no, win no, against Boise no, State. That if would no, beat Boise no, State. no. <laughs> if, if I know where Matt's head is at, and I know where my Matt head is at. That 15 seed UNC Asheville is an absolute fuck. You know, I don't want that in my life at all. I'm I sorry, watched. that was not where I was going at all. But okay, <laughs> no, no. Are you really? saying you don't want no. you don't want the rematch against Kentucky because they're going to be playing with a little bit more heat, right? I, Man, fuck Kentucky. <laughs> I the problem with that I have with Kentucky is like they should be a good team, right? And this year they have not. But is the NCAA tournament the time that you have a coach who's won a national championship? He's going to turn that team around. Um, their best, their best know. players hurt. He's supposedly coming back for the NCAA tournament like full strength, but I don't fucking believe that. Um, the only problem would be that we would have to go against uh, Segway or whatever. I just called him a fucking a goddamn scooter. <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever, Segway. Um, Oscar Shibway. Yeah, yeah, he would be a. Yeah, yeah. He, he would be a problem. From West Virginia last year, I think. Who Shibway? Shibway was Player of the Shibway. Year last year for Kentucky. Yeah, two years ago he was at West Virginia. Two years, two years ago. Two oh. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's um, he would be a problem for us. But I think the first round matchup, if we get UNC Asheville, I don't know if you guys watch UNC Asheville, but I've watched 
quite a bit of their basketball. They have a, a, a kid on their team named Pinder. I think it's Pinder. And he played for Tennessee. The dude averages like 25 and 15, and he handles the ball like a point guard, and he's seven foot tall. Can we <laughs> Can we quickly talk about how you've stated, I watch a lot of UNC Asheville basketball. Like, can you give me five-second reasoning <laughs> why you're watching that? <laughs> I don't know why. They're always on ESPN Plus, and I'm like, okay, I'll click on it. And I've once I watch that first one, I'm like, is this dude real? Like, is anybody else watching this guy play basketball? Nobody talks about him. He is absolute stud. He's insane. If, I don't, he's like a unicorn. He literally reminded me of Kristaps Porzingis, but he's a little shorter. What a comp. That that. I was like, no. And then I keep seeing, like, we're playing them, and everybody's like, oh, they should be. I'm like, listening to all these bracket, uh, you know, podcasts, and they're like, oh, why is if USC Asheville won their their conference tournament, they're like, oh, they should probably be a 13 seed. Bottom should be a 14 seed, but everybody has them as a 15 seed. And I'm like, of fucking course, if we make a two seed, they would put them against us. And they're, I mean, the team is ridiculous. They were down in their conference championship, like big to Campbell, like f- down 14 with like seven minutes left and came back and won by like six. They, they can shoot the ball out of the gym. The dude with the crazy long fro, I mean, I don't know who he is, but he carries the team too. And the Pender kid is just ridiculous. You're, I mean, I'm you're out here talking terrified. about a team that shellacked motherfucking Campbell, though. The, dude, the Camels. But I mean, I'm just I'm watching, I'm watching I'm watching the Pender kid, and I'm like, who's gonna guard him? I mean, Naquan maybe, but I mean, he he can't guard nobody without fouling. So I mean, we'd be gone. We, they play him. They go through him every single play. So Naquan would have five fouls in the first ten minutes. So it would just be not great for us. Yo, y'all, y'all be pessimistic, and Chef's already calling us a lose into a 15 seed Asheville. Any other 15 seed I'm fine with, but not UNC Asheville. Oh, away from me. That is the worst fucking thing you could have ever said. Oh, any other 15 seed will be fine. Yeah, I'm I'm legit. I've watched I've watched a lot of weird basketball, but you UNC Asheville needs to stay away from me. I do not want them in my Who life. would you rather oh, play? Boy. Loyola of Chicago or UNC Asheville? Which Loyola Chicago? Because Loyola Chicago, Loyola, this, Chica- right? Loyola of Chicago with Porter Moser. Oof, man, they put a whooping. If, if no, I'd rather play UNC Asheville because that Porter Moser uh, Loyola team was ridiculous. Uh, but we were without Dean Wade, so I mean, if we had Dean Wade, we'd have stomped that team. But this this year's team. I don't want to see UNC Asheville. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather play like you know, like Colgate or maybe Vermont. Uh, Colgate is like always that. Colgate is always playing these games close in March, though. I don't want to play. Colgate, nah, if I'm I don't. Really scared of, I'm not scared of them. I'd rather. Oh, the team I want to play is UC Irvine. Give me UC Irvine. I've watched them play a couple <sighs> times. No, they suck. They suck real bad. <laughs> I want them right now. Well, that would be that would be poetic. Yes, give to me them. Start Jerome Tang. Start the Jerome Tang era in March with a win against a team that Bruce Weber couldn't get over the hump with. 
Yeah, give me give me UC Irvine and like we're a three seed and we're playing in Denver versus them or somebody like yeah UNC Irvine and we just we would crush them. I'm telling you, they play like 13 guys. They got like <laughs> 13 guys average like six minutes or more, and they play like every everybody on their team, and but nobody averages over like nine points. It's ridiculous. Give us the redemption arc with Wisconsin to somehow play Wisconsin, and then they're like, not making it. They're not. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're going to lose to the Buckeyes. Hey, they're going to lose. We're to the talking Buckeyes redemption arcs. Or... We, we need Wisconsin. We're going to need like Missouri. You know, maybe like KU in the Final Four. LaSalle. Oh my! LaSalle. Oh, LaSalle. They're not making it. That yeah, they lost. Game. They lost today. They lost today. And then, uh, who was the other? Uh, oh, I saw a projection that they would we would play uh, Xavier in the Final Four. Oh <laughs> boy! Oh baby! Actually, give me a Xavier. I would absolutely take that. <laughs> it's. Next next week's show is going to be fun. We're going to be oh we're going to, oh brackets, my god baby. I'm nervous buddy I'm nervous <laughs> I want to yeah, see where we will, we're at. We will have had the entire Big Twelve tournament behind us at that point, so it's we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. I'll tell um, you what though I'll tell you what if we're in the South I'll be at Louisville. I'm being Louisville. You know you know what I I actually have a client thing that week right after that weekend, so I. I'm thinking about it, but you know what? If it's in Madison Square Garden, I think I'm going to be there. I'll at least be there for one of the games. So that'd be that'd be pretty sick. That'd be pretty sick for sure. Well, since we are going to have so much to talk about next week, we're going to go ahead and put a pin in this week's episode. Uh, if you are listening in the live room, thanks for joining. Uh, I know we've got uh, we've got Christian and Will the Thrill. Uh, I think Christian, this is the first time that you've listened in the live room. So appreciate you, you hopping on and hope you had a great time in Austin a couple weeks ago. Uh, but for all of us here at cocaine, Willie to everyone in the live room who contributed tonight and everyone listening on the feed. Thank you a ton, a quick programming note. So we will be going live on Tuesday evening next week and, and probably for the subsequent weeks, depending on what happens in the first and second rounds here. Um, so you can watch all the basketball that your heart desires without any kind of interruption uh, because I correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I'm pretty sure there's never a game during March Madness played on Tuesday. So we, we should be incorrect. in the clear, right? Ah, uh, shit. Very well, where incorrect. am I wrong? Well, this, uh, you know what, though? But it's the first four. I mean, you know. It, oh, yeah. I don't care about that. The first four. What? That's in Dayton, baby. Don't disrespect <laughs> the first four. Home of the Flyers. Home of the Yo, the Day- Dayton first four is where teams like Penn State go. You know, like don't you didn't love it. that Wesley Awandu game versus Wake Forest? <laughs> oh, that is right. Well, I forgot that was about a big that. game for him. And I then we got smacked that. by Cincinnati. Yeah, he got molly whopped by Cincinnati. Yeah, we're we're not talking Ugh. about that though. We're not. Talking well, I love about that, that team, though. dude. I love that team. <laughs> sophomore, sophomore Barry Brown. Oh my god. Wesley Awandu, who was the who was the light skinned guy uh, that played center? Uh, I can't think of his name uh, for the life of me. <laughs> he was no good. We had DJ Johnson on that team, I think. Oh um, yeah, DJ. Yeah, we was had sick. A, I loved Wesley Awandu, dude. I that was my guy. 
That was another guy that made the NBA, got drafted, and made a little bit of money before getting out of there. And I, I was proud of that kid too. Hell yeah, I did. Hell yeah, I did. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna be going live on Tuesday because my my thought process was after the first four, we're not gonna see any games on Tuesday. So we're not. I mean, cats aren't gonna be playing on Tuesday. We will go live next Tuesday, and I think we'll all be scoreboard watching to see uh, if we're going to be playing one of those play-in teams, depending on on who it is and, and what round it might be. But uh, give Cocaine Willie a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to be notified of new episodes as they drop. Leave us a review with your feedback. And if you're on Twitter or Instagram, we've got a new Instagram. Follow the show at Cocaine Willie. Or follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Bob Trollsby. Chef is at Chef Andre Napier. And Fireball Matt is at Matt Marchesini. Chef. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. We're all coke and no joke. And Wabash Cannon Dogs. Wildcat Country. Let's ride. Thanks for not hitting me with that SUV, Matt. Oh, yeah, it, was cl- <laughs> it, it was close, though. I hit, I hit the adjacent building. It was a close call. <laughs> close call.